This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, this is Sarah Gregory. Today, I'm talking with Dr. James Seaver, a CDC neuroepidemiologist, about a recent article regarding the neurological consequences of Ebola. Welcome, Dr. Seaver. Thank you. It's great to be here. You work at CDC in zoonotic and infectious diseases. You're a neuroepidemiologist. How is that different from any other epi, and what's your area of specialty? Well, I'm trained as a neurologist, um, but then I also have additional training in applied field epidemiology and infectious diseases, which kind of makes me a neuroepidemiologist, if you will. Uh, there are certain aspects of neurology that make epidemiologic investigations somewhat more difficult than in other situations. Um, for instance, uh, neurologic uh, illnesses oftentimes have uh, very vague um, periods of onset or whatnot, so it makes it difficult to determine a um, you know an, an, an onset uh, period for an epidemiologic study. So there's really a need for people that speak, um, you know, kind of both languages, if you will, neurology and epidemiology. And so my main area of focus is neuroinfectious diseases, which is basically uh, the investigation of infectious diseases of the nervous system, such as encephalitis, meningitis, acute placid paralysis. I know you do a great deal of traveling to far-flung places. What do you do, say, in Kazakhstan or Vietnam? Well, my job, because of my area of expertise, I kind of work throughout CDC. Um, I'm centered in the uh, National Center for Zoonotic and Infectious Diseases, but I also work with the environmental health group, uh, the vaccine group, um, to provide subject matter expertise to them. Uh, my job is kind of twofold. One aspect is outbreak response. And then the other is um, uh, more uh, evaluation of um, you know, long-term ongoing projects. Now, the outbreak response is a really enjoyable part of my job. Um, uh, you know, it can just be uh, you know, a call in the middle of the day about an outbreak of an unusual, unexplained neurologic illness. And within 24 hours, I'm on a plane with a number of other experts going on to try and find out uh, you know, what the cause of the neurologic outbreak is and how to implement uh, prevention measures and, and hopefully solve the case, if you will. Now, the other aspect is ongoing projects and this within this capacity I um, basically try to look at the clinical epidemiologic and long-term outcomes of neurologic infectious diseases such as different forms of encephalitis or meningitis. Um, in this capacity I do more of um, training of local collaborators and um, uh, uh, basically overseeing the projects if you will. So I kind of have a split uh, split job here at CDC. While you, you're not an author on this study, you have obviously expertise in this field. So this study is about the long-term neurologic sequelae of the Ebola virus. Let's start off by you explaining what sequelae means. Well, sequelae is basically the after effects of an acute illness, if you will. Um, after somebody you know, survives and gets through an acute illness, sometimes they can be left with um, 
remaining signs and symptoms that can persist long after the acute illness. For instance, somebody may develop encephalitis and they'll survive and recover from that episode of encephalitis, but they'll be left with uh, memory difficulties or, or persistent weakness in their limbs that can last for months or even years. And so that's what we mean by, by sequelae. When did doctors first suspect that Ebola might have these long-term neurological consequences? Well, doctors have kind of long suspected that there might be long-term neurologic uh, aftereffects from Ebola. But in previous Ebola outbreaks, the um, outbreaks have been relatively small, and unfortunately, there have been very few people that have survived past the acute illness. Now, the more recent uh, large outbreak in West Africa um, had many thousands of patients, and a significant proportion of those patients did survive past the acute stage of illness. And so this gave scientists a new, unique um, ability to systematically assess for um, the you know, potential you know, long-term after effects of Ebola virus, including effects on the nervous system. So uh, this has some, been something that has been you know, long suspected, but only more recently been able to be able to be systematically assessed. Who were the patients studied and where did they come from? Well, the patients in this study were um, patients who had experienced Ebola virus disease and had survived the acute illness. Uh, they were residents of, a, of a, an area in Sierra Leone. And they had been being followed up um, long term to track the progression of their illness and see how they uh, see their recovery process. And so out of over approximately 300 odd uh, patients, they identified 35 patients who had severe uh, neurologic or psychiatric sequelae that they then were able to follow over a period of over a year. The study looked at patients with both neurologic and psychiatric symptoms. Could you explain the differences between these two kinds of um, symptoms? Yeah, so both of these uh, symptoms uh, are effects on the nervous system. Probably the simplest way of kind of conceptualizing the difference between the two is that neurologic symptoms tend to affect the, the, the body, if you will, whereas psychiatric symptoms uh, affect the mind. Now, neurologic symptoms oftentimes present with something that you can basically see with your own eyes, uh, weakness in the limbs or uh, uh, slurred speech or you know, a facial droop or seizures, you know, um, things that uh, are observable and can be um, you know, observed with the, with the eye and examined. With psychiatric sequelae, they're more subtle, and they involve things like depression, anxiety, uh, behavioral disorders. They, they're basically um, symptoms that relate to thought and behavior, and those are the, that's really the big difference between the two. What kinds of conditions did the researchers find in the studies cohorts group? Well, they actually found a variety of different findings, quite frankly. Um, the most common finding that they found was uh, headaches. Um, people, uh, a lot of people complained bitterly of severe headaches, different types of headaches, and in some cases the headaches were, were severe enough to um, you know, render them in, incapacitated. 
Um, in addition, though, they found some other findings, including uh, eye findings that caused uh, difficulty with vision and even blindness. Uh, some patients suffered from strokes. Uh, there were some patients that had what are called peripheral neuropathies. Now, these are illnesses of the nerves that cause things like numbness and tingling. So really, there was a, a very, very vast variety of findings that the, uh, the, the, the authors found among these survivors. Do we know why Ebola has apparently caused these kinds of lasting health conditions? We really don't uh, at this point. And, and quite frankly, we can't be absolutely certain that Ebola is even the sort of the cause of these um, conditions. Um, it might seem a little semantical, but there's a difference between a causal association and a, a association that is uh, temporal, in other words, associated in time. Um, what we do know is that um, at the time uh, that these people were recovering from their Ebola illness, they developed these varying you know, neurologic signs and symptoms. Um, but what we don't know is um, if we had done a case control study, in other words, looking at uh, some of the patients who had Ebola and compared them to patients who didn't have Ebola, whether the various neurologic findings found in the Ebola group were just representative of findings that we would find in the general population. Um, so, um, uh, but based on the sheer number of patients in the Ebola group that did have these findings and the unusual nature of the findings, it's fairly quite likely that Ebola uh, did have a, a role to play in these uh, neurologic findings. Now, how and why they would have developed these uh, various neurologic sequelae is unclear as well. It's possible that the Ebola virus itself um, invaded the nervous system and caused damage to the, the brain cells or the other you know, cells in the nervous system causing direct damage. It's also possible that the, the, the um, damage was due to the body's immune response to the virus. So kind of an indirect um, effect because the, of the immune system in, the, in the, the patient's body reacting to the presence of the virus. But the fundamental answer is we really don't know at this point why Ebola seemed to um, lead to these neurologic sequelae. What kinds of testing were done to determine the neurologic sequelae? Well, the fundamental uh, testing was just basically physical examination, uh, testing uh, the nervous system by a trained neurologist or uh, looking at psychiatric symptoms by psychiatrists. And you can actually tell a great deal about the sequelae from examining the patient um, and finding uh, you know, lesions or, in other words, uh, findings that point to certain areas of the nervous system that are affected or certain psychiatric manifestations that point toward a certain psychiatric uh, diagnosis. So that was really the fundamental way of evaluating these patients. Now, in some cases, when it was clinically indicated, there were some other sort of more spe special tests that were done, including scans of the brain, um, uh, uh, detailed examinations of the eyes to look for the reasons for the, the, the visual problems and the blindness. Um, in some cases, uh, cerebrospinal fluid, or CSF, was collected. And this is the, the fluid that basically bathes the brain and the spinal cord. 
And this was collected in order to see whether there was we could find presence of the virus in the CSF, which would indicate presence of the virus in the nervous system. Um, and so in some cases that was performed. Um, and then in some cases, uh, uh, other, other testing such as, um, formal detailed neuropsychiatric testing using computers was, was performed to more effectively gauge the psychiatric sequelae. So those were the main sort of, uh, ways of assessing these patients. So with the brain scan and the spinal fluid, looking at the spinal fluid, they saw things? Well, yeah, in some cases they did. Um, in, some, in certain cases they found um, uh, what we call cerebral atrophy, uh, which means a kind of a shrinking of the brain. And that can be due to a number of different reasons, but um, their suspicion was it was due to the Ebola infection of the brain. Um, in some other scans, they found evidence of, of strokes, um, and so th there was a concern that in certain situations, certain individuals can develop strokes in the setting of the Ebola. In the cerebral spinal fluid, in fact, they did uh, find some evidence of the presence of the virus in the CSF, indicating that it seems like the virus is able to get in, get access to the central nervous system and could be a reason for the, the neurologic uh, uh, effects of the virus. So the virus is still in the spinal fluid even though they're theoretically well or cured or whatever the word is. Right, right. So um, there's, there was concern about viral persistence. There doesn't seem to be persistence of the virus in the, in the nervous system, but during, at least during the acute illness, um, there can be the detection of the presence of the virus indicating that the virus is in there, um, in, in the nervous system. And um, so it's not clear whether perhaps there is some viral persistence in the nervous system or it's just the, you know, the acute injury that leads to the long-term sequelae um, because of the, the initial injury to the, to the brain and the spinal cord. What's the long-term prognosis for these people? Well, that's really kind of hard to hard to gauge at this point. I, I think time is going to be the the, the ultimate uh, teller of of the the, the long-term prognosis. The authors did give some positive um, uh, results that, in some cases, um, people uh, had that had, um, you know, suffered from the severe headaches, the memory loss, the psychiatric symptoms, um, showed improvement after one year. So there does appear to be the possibility that in some, some cases there can be improvement over time. In some cases, however, particularly in people with very severe sequelae, there was little or no improvement over the period of a year. So, um, there seems to be kind of varying outcomes, and really, I think it's going to be uh, you know time will tell, um, and you know further investigations into the long-term outcomes as to what the ultimate prognosis in these patients is going to be. Can people get it again? As far as we know, once you've gotten Ebola, your body creates antibodies. 
um, that uh, lead you to be protected from reinfection. It's kind of like you're immunizing yourself, if you will. That's why I guess a vaccine would be effective if they come up with one. Right, right. And they do have, they've come up with a vaccine and they're actually trying to um, use it in uh, the current outbreak in the Democratic Republic of Congo. So um, where do we go from here? Vaccine. Um, will these findings lead to better treatment of survivors? I think that this is going to lead to better treatment. Um, just the knowledge that people recovering from Ebola virus disease develop these headaches, these eye findings, these um, uh, peripheral neuropathies. The clinicians are going to know to look for these things. They're going to be more astutely looking for these various sequelae and in doing so, they'll be able to diagnose and, and treat and act more fast. Um, and this could lead to better outcomes for the patients in the, in the short term. In addition, um, knowing what happens in the months and years after the, um, the, the acute illness, uh, clinicians will be able to more effectively describe to patients, survivors, and their families what to expect in the months and the years to come after the, um, the, 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 the infection. Because, you know, obviously, once people develop an illness, they want to know, well, you know, doc, how am I going to do? And um, so this will allow uh, uh, clinicians to have that information to better inform the patients and families of what to expect. So I think that in itself is a, is a positive thing um, that's going to result from this research. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Siever, for taking the time to do this podcast today. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Listeners can read the entire article, Case Series of Severe Neurologic Sequelae of Ebola Virus Disease During Epidemic, Sierra Leone, online at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.